Our gospel lesson this morning is going to come from John's gospel, from John chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. John 15, verses 9 through 17. And I invite you to stand as you're able in body or in spirit for the reading of our gospel lesson. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. I have said these things to you, so that my joy may be complete in you, and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from the Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands, that you may love one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This past week, I was eating lunch with a friend of mine, another pastor in our area. We try to get together every few weeks uh, just to eat and pray together and just, you know, just be together in interesting times, just encourage one another. So we were, we, we always find somewhere to eat. And uh, he, he's been in the Jackson area about a year now, and he'd never been to Mama Hamill's. I said, well, we got we to gotta solve that problem. So we, we met at Mama Hamill's last um, last week to eat. And it was a day where I think it was Tuesday and me and Holly had to leave a little early to go to um, go down to Southern Mist for Sarah had a concert. So I think I was wearing a Southern Mist shirt. So I was going upstairs at Mama Hamill's. I had my wheelbarrow full of food, taking it upstairs. This guy comes down as I'm going up. He sees my shirt and goes, I go to the top. That's what they say at Southern Miss. So I, I just, it just kind of instinctually came out. Came out. I didn't anticipate saying that. It just, it just kind of happened. But for the last two, two years, as Holly and I have been going down to Southern so often, to, well, to watch the flight, the fighting clarinets march is our main motivation. But, you know, watch the football team as well. You know, we've heard Southern Miss to the top, Southern Miss to the top just so many times. It's kind of just now ingrained in our brain. Our brain. If you say Southern Miss, I'm probably going to just instinctually say to the top. That's not unique to Southern Miss. Every college football team or every sports team has that type of thing. You know, if you're an Ole Miss fan, and I say, are you ready? You're going to respond. You know what the next line is. You know? If you're a state fan, you know, you're, you're going to know how to do Hell State and ring the cowbell. You know, it's, no one does a, better, does a better job, in my opinion, of training people what to do than our college sports teams. And let me be clear. I'm not... I'm not criticizing any of this. I've just kind of observed it. I've just kind of observed how our identity and our college teams is such a deep, deep and abiding thing. And it has been for me through a lot of my life. Grew up an Ole Miss fan. So I was that Ole Miss kid 
when I was a, uh, younger, and if Ole Miss lost on Saturday, I wouldn't want to go to church on Sunday. You know, I was that, I was that serious about it. You know, particularly in South Mississippi where I grew up, a lot of LSU fans. So after Ole Miss got, would get beaten by LSU, I just wouldn't want to go to church because I knew they were going to make fun of me. You know, me and Holly were married for a few months, and the first Egg Bowl came up. And she went to Southern, so she didn't care about the Egg Bowl one way or another. So um, we were watching the game, and Ole Miss was losing. And, and, and she made a little crack at me about it. And I kind of snapped back at her, and I thought, what's wrong with you? Look at you. Look at her. She agreed to marry you. What's wrong with you? But that's how serious I took it for a lot of years in life. I had a little crocheted thing I used to keep on my office wall. A friend of mine gave me the Delta years ago. It said, if you want to go to heaven when your spirit leaves your body, you got to know the password. It's simply hotty toddy. <laughs> um, so, you know, no one does a better job, though, of training our children on how to be formed in an identity than college sports teams do they. And like I said, the nuclear, I'm not criticizing. I'm actually, as a pastor, admiring it. Because if we're going to be honest, we, our college teams, our pro teams, do a better job of, shall we say, forming disciples than we do as the church. And I thought, huh, why is it that we take so much more of our identity quite often in our sports allegiances than we do in our religion? Uh, like I said, I'm like, man, the sports, the teams, they got the Ole Miss and State and Southern, LSU, Bama, they got something figured out. And I think, as I thought more about it, I think one of the reasons why is because Ole Miss and State and Southern and Bama and everybody, they're, they're not, they're offering you an identity, an identity. You're part of something. You're part of something bigger than yourself. You're part of a community. You're part of a, a team. You're, if you're an A&M fan, Texas A&M fan, you're the 12th man. You're going to help A&M win the game, you know, like your identity is found in that in a way that really marks you. And that you think about like when Thomas went home from the hospital, he was dressed in an old Miss little shirt. You know, like we mark our children and we shape them in these things. And let me be clear. I want to be very clear. I'm not criticizing that at all. But I'm thinking, huh. They do it so well. Why don't we? Why don't we? Why do we find our identity so often, so strongly in these things and not necessarily in the life of the church? Like I said, to use language, the, the sports teams, whether they be pro, I'm a big Giants, San Francisco Giants fan. I've got all kinds of Giants stuff all over my office. Whether pro or college do a great job of forming disciples. And I wonder what keeps us from doing that. So I've been thinking a lot about that, particularly in light of where our church finds ourselves nowadays. You know, we're entering into a new season now, aren't we, friends? It's been a hard season. But I am so honestly 
and deeply excited about the future of our church. That I truly and deeply believe God is going to do great things in St. Matthew's and that God is already starting to do great things in St. Matthew's. We're going to take in, take in our 13th new member in the last four weeks today with more coming. We have more baptisms, more things like that. I mean, God is moving in our church right now. God is moving, particularly in our, our young adults. God is doing great things here. So as I think about our church moving forward, I want to be very careful in the stewardship season. Yes, of course, as Holly said so beautifully, we, we, we want you to tithe. We need you to tithe. Yes, to be very honest, we need you to give of your finances to our, to our church for the kingdom of God. We need you to volunteer. We, we need you in the choir. We need you teaching children. We need you teaching youth. Yes, we need you coming to these things. We re- the church really needs your participation now more than ever. But here's the thing. I said this a few weeks back, and I've really been chewing on it. As we rebuild our church, reboot our church, whatever terminology you want to use, let us be very careful for what kind of disciples we're trying to make. Let us be very careful for what kind of disciples we're trying to make here. I don't want, I don't want us. I don't want to. I don't want to spend my life and my time and my energy trying to grow a 501c3. I don't want us to spend our time and our energy trying to grow an institution. Because I think that's where the church has failed in the past. By the church, I don't mean St. Matthew's. I mean the church. We've been so focused on institutional survival. I mean, all of us preachers have heard many times about the death tsunami, a phrase you've never heard, thank the good Lord. But we've all heard about it. Oh, my gosh, it's just a matter of time before everything blows up. So we've been in such institutional preservation mode for decades that we focused so much on the institution, I think, at times, and not enough on the community. So what does Jesus say today? No one has greater love than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. I believe what God is calling us to is not institutional growth, not institutional preservation, but calling us to a true life-giving, life-sustaining, life-sacrificing community for an identity that's deeper, just like with our teams, just like, just think of the joy. If you're an Ole Miss fan, you felt last night at the end of the game. Think of the, the, the pain you felt last night as a state fan. I drove back from Southern getting beat 42 to 10 at halftime, you know? Not a fun drive home. We should have that much joy when a young person is baptized in this church, y'all. That is more important than any ball game, and I love ball games. But our, our identity should be so deeply rooted in the community that we're seeking to build here, this community that is self-giving, that is self-loving, that is self-sacrificial. That is a beautiful identity, and that's what the church is. So as we think about stewardship this year, I don't want to just say, hey, you need to tithe. Well, yeah, we need you to tithe. 
Or, hey, you need, to, you need to teach. Well, yeah, you need to teach. But the reason why we give of these things, why we give of our income and tithing is so that the church can make a difference in the, for the kingdom here in our community. And the reason why we teach isn't because we need to just mark it off the, off the page, but you who have seen and lived, you can pass on your wisdom and your knowledge and what you know to this next generation. When you sing in the choir, when you serve as an usher, when you serve as an acolyte, when you help with technology, when you do these things, you're doing the little things that folks may not see that strengthen the community, that help Jesus Christ be lifted up. Because that's the purpose of all this, is to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. That's what Bailey said so beautifully in our children's moment this morning. It's about lifting up that name of Jesus. And when Jesus is lifted up, all people are drawn to him. For he is the hope of the world. And he is the salvation. Y'all, as much as I love the church... Jesus is the hope of the world. Not even the church. The church is here to proclaim Jesus. But if we seek to preserve the institution instead of the community, then we miss the point. And I think that's where we've taken the turn, the wrong turn that Ole Miss and State have taken the right turn. They've called you to be marked by your identity as a rebel or a bulldog or an eagle or a tiger and for that to be your primary identity. I don't think we've asked too little of you. I think we've asked the wrong thing of you. It's not about propping up. It's not about focusing upon institutional stuff. It's about the kingdom. It's about a self-sacrificial kingdom that God has called us to. I think St. Francis puts it so well in a prayer that you know that's actually found in our hymnal, but you've heard it other places, the prayer attributed to St. Francis. Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there's hatred, let me so love where there's injury, pardon. Where there's doubt, faith. Where there's despair, hope. Where there's darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it's in the giving that we receive, it is in the pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. It is in the giving that we receive. What did Jesus say? There's no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends. So when we give of our resources, of our time, of our talents, of our gifts, of our services, when we give, that's when we receive and that's when we receive true mark of community that y'all, if we're going to be honest, we, we, we need, that we're desperate for, that we want so badly. It's in the giving that we receive.
It's in the pardoning that we are pardoned. And in dying, we are born again to new life. That's beautiful, y'all. That's beautiful. And I truly think in this season, that's what God's calling our church to, is to be that. And y'all, what an example of Jesus Christ that is to a world in desperate need of our Savior. And we can do it together. We can do it together, friends. We can do this. We can be that self-sacrificing community where our identity is deeply marked and rooted in Jesus Christ. And when we give boldly and graciously and generously and fully, and we sacrifice, we find the community we desire. We find the identity we desire. We find the hope we desire. That's what God calls us to, y'all. And through his grace, I believe that's who we can be. And when we live that out, I truly believe the world is changed through the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. May we live out this beautiful vision of this community. Let's pray.